Live on Mondays from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock p.m., you're listening to The Spin Room on WGMU Radio. Listen to the great interviews. Is this Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam on the phone? Hey, yes, Ralph, is this Eric? Yes, sir. Informative talks. A lot of protesting going on from a lot of different individuals. We just want to know what your take on that whole situation is right here. And find out ways to get involved on and off campus. We love, you know, we love all the help we're already getting from some great folks at GMU and would love to have more support there as well. Now to the show. Here's Alexis and Eric. Hello and happy Monday. We are finally back after a long awaited break. It's been a while since we've seen your beautiful faces. We have been back for about a week now. We had a great snow day, which was really nice, but also just coming back from spring break, we are very excited to be back. Yes. And we have a very special guest today. We have had incredible opportunity to interview some great guests on the show, some great people in Virginia 11 who are, or Virginia 10, my apologies, who are running for their candidate seat, and also Governor Ralph Northam, who Mm -hmm. we had a great time interviewing last time before the campaign. But now we really want to make sure that students, because we go to George Mason and representing 35,000 people, we want to make sure that the Patriots know the people that represent them. Yes, and so we are so happy to announce that President Cabrera is here in the studio with us. This was a long time in the making, but we're so excited to have you here and really talk to you about the issues. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, and I'm delighted to come back anytime you want me. (laughs) Yes, we would love that. So first, just kind of recap, we both went to the March for Our Lives this weekend, and we saw that you were there. How was that for you? It was moving. Mm-hmm. In in many ways, I I loved uh, just the just the diversity of people in every sense. Uh, people of all ages, of all backgrounds, just coming together around an issue that affects all of us, uh, regardless of where we come from. And, and it was just a, a good moment. Um, and then uh, and then of course some of the of, of the highlights. Uh, I think uh, for me the 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 silence of uh, Emma Gonzalez. Oh, yes. I, I will never, as I said, the, the the loudest silence I've ever heard. That was really really powerful. Special moment. It was incredible, and I think one thing that you really recognize is, as you said, the diversity in a single cause issue, and really making sure that students, along with everyone else who wants their name out there, can get their name out there and the message is told. So one thing we really want to talk about is your upbringing. So you grew up in Spain before traveling abroad and ultimately ending up here at Mason. So how has being a native Spaniard shaped your role as president at Mason? Well, the fact that I have lived, studied, worked in different parts of the world, um, I think has given me a um, different perception of the world we live in has made me realize both how the world differs and how different cultures and different people may may look at issues differently and be affected by issues differently. But it also has given me a sense of how much we're at the end of the day the same mm-hmm. and people are the same no matter where you go and we have the same wishes and desires and and, and fear. So I hope it, it in a way um, helps me uh, connect with people, especially in a place as incredibly diverse as George Mason, right. where we are each from different backgrounds. I think um, uh, my own uh, profile helps me, I think, connect and communicate and, and, and really identify with people from very diverse backgrounds. So it took you a while to get here, but what ultimately made you take on this role of president at Mason? This is an incredible 
incredibly interesting, fascinating um, job. <laughs> so um, I, I was, uh, as, as I said, I've worked in and lived in different parts of the world, and um, and in I was running a school in in Spain. I was uh, recruited to run a, a school in in the U.S. in in Arizona, but uh, both the the schools that I that I ran both in in Spain and in Arizona were schools of business. Very interesting, but I I love the the, the campus of an American university like George mm. Mason, where you have all the disciplines represented. And in a place as exciting as Northern Virginia and the and the Washington region, so when um, the headhunter and then the, the search committee contacted me, I thought this is this is going to be absolutely awesome. And um, and the more I got to know about the university, the more clear it was that mm. oh my gosh, if they offer me the job, we're there. <laughs> <laughs> so how has the role of the presidency and also just Mason in general changed since you first took the office? You know, there's some there's some constants, right? I mean, lots of things don't change. We we have to run. You you have both an, an academic side, uh, which is very complex. We have professors doing amazing work uh, throughout a, a million different disciplines and running all that. There is the the business side. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to uh, balance the checkbook and 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 pay the bills and make sure that this place keeps going and and planning the future for this. So there are things that are always there, but it, it, there there might be some aspects that have been. Uh, perhaps becoming even more important in the in the last few years, mm-hmm. especially a, almost an expectation of uh, college presidents to take on a leadership on issues that are broader in in scope. Uh, maybe at a time where maybe we're not getting the the leadership from political offices that that mm-hmm. that we you would expect or hope for, uh, people are turning. Uh, somehow into uh, university presidents for that kind of leadership. And I feel like that's become uh, a a bigger part of the role uh, in the last couple of years. So talking about how your role has changed, can we look at how Mason has changed specifically? How has the university changed? in, in in many ways, I mean, uh, for once we're bigger. I mean, uh, <laughs> since I have uh, arrived, we've added uh, probably about five thousand students. In, oh, and right. so so that's the equivalent of a mid-sized college, right? To, just to put it in perspective. Um, so 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 we're we're bigger. We're also stronger. We're stronger. Our the the students, the profile of the students that we're attracting uh, has improved. Our graduation rates have improved. Um, on the research front, uh, we have been now for the first time in our short history reclassified as a research one university. Mm-hmm. So, so I think uh, that what has changed has been you know, nothing maybe totally new, but but it's sort of a continuation of this remarkable uh, momentum of a university. Right. In the list of uh, research one universities, there are only 115 in the country. Wow. We're the youngest. No one oh. has achieved that status in less time than uh, George Mason. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So one thing that Mason and Mason students take really seriously and have a lot of pride in is our diversity. In fact, uh, we just found out that Mason was the most diverse university in Virginia by the U.S. News and World Report last September. So to you, how important is this aspect of George Mason and what is your office doing to bridge the gap between diversity and inclusion within the university? That's an excellent, excellent question. So the first part, Diversity is essential to right. the ethos of this university. When uh, my first year here, I spent a lot of time uh, in, in, in groups, uh, try, groups of faculty, of students, of alumni, trying to get at the essence of the university. Without exception, in every session that I held, the notion of diversity emerged 
as probably the, the, the way in which most of us define what's unique about, about mm-hmm. Mason. And once you get to know this community, that's what makes this place so fascinating. I mean, you can be in class working on a class project, and, and the people in the, in the group may come from different countries, different backgrounds, and all of a sudden you're looking at issues from angles that you had never even imagined. So, so it makes us, our diversity makes us a better university. Yeah. It, it helps our learning, our growth for everybody involved. So I think that's absolutely terrific. And, and you're right that we need to make sure that not only we are more diverse, and, and that means not just the students in which we excel, but also we have some challenges in terms of how to make sure that our faculty, our administration absolutely. is as diverse as the student body. We're making progress, but we're not there yet. But also the issue of inclusion. It's not just enough to have people who are from different backgrounds in one place. You have to put them in an environment where everybody feels welcome, where every, mm-hmm. everybody feels like they belong, that they can be free to learn, to be themselves, to be authentic, uh, in, interact with others without fear of being uh, somehow rejected. Uh, so I think we do excellent, but we have to do even better. I mean, we, are, we have the opportunity of being a, an example, a national example of, of a truly inclusive university. So one demographic that has been targeted a lot are the dreamers. So one of the current administration's primary goals has been reforming the immigration system. And it's been a bit more than a year since the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals uh, was slated to end, but it has presumably been delayed. Mason has more than 300 dreamers, and you've vocally advocated for the dreamers. So how important is this issue to you, and how do you make sure that it gets the light that it deserves? It is a very important issue in, in some way, ways. It's, it's a civil rights issue of our time. Um, you know, our quest uh, for, for civil rights for, for every citizen uh, never ends. And, and this is one group that needs everybody's support. If, you are, uh, if you're a dreamer, it means that you are an, you're an undocumented uh, immigrant who arrived into this country by no decision of yourself. And you're, you're, you're here, you're going to school, you're doing great things, you have great potential to contribute to the society, uh, the society that most uh, of the students is the only place they know as home. Some of them were too young to even remember what, whatever other country they're, they're coming from. If we don't solve this, if we don't create a pathway for the students to really contribute as they can, as they want to, we're not just failing them. It's not just a question of, it's not a moral issue about the harm we're doing these people. We're har- harming ourselves. A society that is not able to tap all the talent that it has at its disposal is failing itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one day, one of us will be in a surgery room, maybe having heart surgery or having a cancer removed or God knows what. At that point, you could not care less what uh, the sort of the, the, the immigration status was of that person <laughs> 20 years ago. What you hope is that the talent this society had to offer right. is there in the surgery room taking care of you. That's why we need to make sure. It's, it's almost a, a self-interest for our society to be as good as it can be. Uh, we have to give opportunities to everybody. Absolutely. I think that's one thing that I really recognize that Mason, that we really don't recognize as students how much diversity we have just within our classrooms and the people we sit next to in the dining hall. So I think that's really important to uh, mark down. So as the president of the largest public university in Virginia, how important is prioritizing affordability for you? Because I know that 
tuition and housing have gone up in rates, and that's a serious concern for many, many students. Absolutely. And so we're part of a, of a big trend, which is concerning and worrisome, and which is not just a Virginia trend, it's a nationwide trend. Within that trend, I think George Mason is doing better than average. Still, the trend is not good. The trend is that over the last two decades, um, states across the nation, again, not just Virginia, have decided to reduce the amount of public investment in our public universities and therefore have forced our public universities to transfer the burden of the expense to the student through tuition. I mean, that's how it works. You look at the graph of how our our appropriation per student has been declining. You look at the graph of uh, how tuition has been increasing, and they're pretty much the mirror image. Mm -hmm. The two graphs are the mirror image of one another. Um, We're not isolated from that dynamic. Um, It used to be uh, 20 years ago that that the vast majority of the budget of the university was contributed by the state is no longer the case. Now, the the biggest contributors to the function of the university is you. It's your tuition dollars. So uh, that is a trend that is worrisome because it's creating issues of access and, and universities are intended to be the great equalizers of our society. The, the really the, the bridge into a good job, into the middle class, into helping you deploy your full potential. So um, issues of affordability are essential. Within that, Mason, I think we, we're, we're proud that we've been able to keep things uh, as low as possible. Within the doctoral universities uh, of Virginia, we have one of the lowest tuition levels, and, uh, and we are committed. I have an explicit commitment with my board. And I'm, I'm the only one, I think, in Virginia that, that I know of that has this commitment, which is we will keep our tuition below the average for the doctoral universities in Virginia. We're way below the average, by the way, so I, we're not even coming close. But that is, that is our, um, our commitment. Having said that, I, I share the concern. Every year, I mean, this year we're probably going to also have a tuition increase. We'll try to keep it as small as possible, but it is going to be impossible not to. What's the best way for students to advocate for not decreasing tuition but just stagnant rates? Or what's the best way for students to make sure that their voices are heard in the process? George Mason students are incredibly active and incredibly useful during our budget negotiations with the state. So every January and February during the uh, General Assembly, when the General Assembly uh, negotiates the budget for the, for the next year, we always have a Mason mason day mm-hmm. in richmond and we have a bus full of of students and they really take over the general assembly building with nice uh, green and gold scarves and and they split in groups and they go meet with our uh, elected officials to really convey the message of why they should be investing in higher education that is one of the absolute best and most direct things that students can do let their uh, elected officials know that higher education matters a great deal. So with the decrease in funding for higher education, many sources are now going to private donations to get the money that they need. One thing that for the last three weeks, Fourth Estate newspaper at Mason has been reporting on is a story called Coke and Covered. And the report emphasizes the Coke brother donations and their involvement in choosing professors and other matters at Mason. And it was actually just reported that Mason took 
or was given $5 million from Coke Industries just last week. From your administration's point of view, how are you able to take the donations from organizations such as Coke Industries, but not let it influence the educational operations of the school? Yeah, let me let me clarify um, a number of things, because okay. it's not like uh, it was reported that we accepted $5 million. I communicated it very proudly. Uh, so a big part of my job is to convince uh, our foundations, donors, individuals, families, sometimes corporations, why they should invest in Mason. And a big part of my job, and a big part of the job of, of my deans and department chairs and even faculty members is to do that, is to tell a compelling story of the university that will convince uh, people with resources to invest in, in, in ours. What we try to do is find people who are aligned somehow, whose interests align with needs and interests that we, that we have. Um, and make sure that that is a, a good a good alignment. One of the things that is absolutely essential that we make clear to any donor is, by the way, you cannot choose the professor that we hire if you're creating a professorship. You are now not allowed to decide who gets tenure or promotion. Uh, you, if you create a scholarship, you're not, not allowed to choose the student that gets the scholarship. You can create the fund, which we appreciate very much. Everything else we run. It's essential because that's what guarantees that there is uh, academic independence. Mm-hmm. To this day, there is, I mean, I know that any time that we get a gift from the Charles Koch Foundation, not Koch Industries, by the way, it's different. This is uh, a, a foundation funded by Charles Koch. Um, every time we get a donation, that creates a lot of scrutiny or, or attention and people, I, I am not a spokesperson for them, so you, you're free to agree or disagree with the opinions that Charles Koch or the foundation have, that's, you know, each of us have our own opinions. My responsibility is to make sure that no donor, whether it's Charles Koch, anybody, influence our academic enterprise. To this day, and I've been at Mason for six years, I am yet to hear any complaint, not two, not three, one complaint of a faculty member who will come to me and say, I have a complaint that the uh, Charles Koch Foundation um, has tried to somehow influence who gets hired for this faculty position or who gets tenure or whether we have to teach X, Y, or Z. So there's a lot of talk, but I haven't received. If if someone provided evidence that that's happening, we would have to investigate it. And by the way, if a donor, no matter what donor, is not willing to play under those rules and principles, we simply don't take the money. That's how it works. Mm. I think that will calm a lot of uh, <laughs> hearts and minds for Mason students. I think a lot of people were worried about that and worried about the influence that they might possibly have here. So one more question before we get to the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. One thing Mason students, I think, some complain about a little bit and targeted for is the lack of school spirit. So what is your plan and how do we as students promote school spirit at our university and to get students excited about our school? Well, I mean, first of all, my experience is a little different. I love the school spirit <laughs> at, uh, at Mason. And um, and I'm, uh, one of the best parts of my job is is to engage with students in different initiatives and, and activities. And I absolutely that's that, that's the greatest part of my job. So I love it. I I go to many of our athletic events. I go to many of the music events. 
uh, and just to know the, the the broad diversity of interest and, and things that are happening, I, I just think it's fantastic. This the work that you two are doing today and, and through uh, this uh, uh, this podcast um, is terrific. You're you're helping create um, uh, university spirit. You're helping keep people engaged in what's going on in the university. So, honestly, the uh, university spirit is. Is not something that anybody can can rule. No, there's no precedent that can dictate where tomorrow. Right. It is what everybody does. Is the decisions mm-hmm. that everybody uh, makes. Every student, whether you're you're going to lead an initiative or engage in the uh, radio or you're, it is those that whether you sign up for the green machine and 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 get on a bus and travel to Richmond. Uh, for, I mean, all those are the things that that create. I, I'm I'm delighted. By the way, I mean I have nothing but positive things to say about <laughs> this period. I do I I do wish next year. By the way, we're going to have an exciting basketball season. Uh, I would love to see the Eagle Bank Arena packed. Yes, that would be nice. <laughs> that sounds great. So we're going to do some quick. Fun questions. Uh-oh. Okay, so first one, if you could eat dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Martin Luther King Jr. Ooh, that okay. is a good so answer. So we're going to do these rapid fire. So yes. what is your favorite TV show? What are, what are you watching right now? I loved the British version of House of Cards. Wow. Yes, the British version. So Which great. is really, really It cuts fascinating. through all of the yes. sub-stories. It, yeah, great. exactly. Wow, exactly. Okay, I need to put uh, that on my watch uh, list. Okay, what is the last movie you saw? Uh, Coco. <gasps> yes. I have seen we saw it together. We saw it together. We cried. It was so oh, good. you know, I never thought I was I was gonna cry, and I have to admit, I did too. Yes. What a great, what a great movie. It I watched so good. it three times, and it's just incredible to see the diversity in the film and really showcasing so it in such a great yeah, format. Yeah, that was neat. Uh, what? So, speaking of which, what is your favorite Spanish food? Paella. <gasps> And I make it myself. Really? I am, I, am, I am a paella master, by the way. Oh, master <laughs> yeah, chef yeah. on our hands right yes. now. Okay, who is your role model? I have many role models. Uh, I think uh, I, I said earlier Martin Luther King is one of the people I would love to, to have dinner with, someone who enacted uh, – really change on a, on a massive uh, level. But I collect them. I mean, I, 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 every time I get to work, sometimes people who work for me, not just people I've worked for, right. I pay a lot of attention. I learn from every person I, 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 I get to work with. What is one tradition in Spain you wish would come to the United States? Oh, I have one. <laughs> uh, which I didn't appreciate enough. Well, there uh, maybe two. Uh, I didn't appreciate enough until until now. Mm-hmm. In Spain, the, there is a tradition in the summer where everybody takes their summer vacation at the same time. <sighs> it's normally the month of August, huh. where almost the, the entire country shuts down and everybody goes to the beach or whatever it is they like to do. Wow! And at the time, says this is crazy that the country <laughs> sort of stops for a month. Now I think it's wonderful because you go on vacation. No one else is in the office, and so you don't need to be. There's your, no guilt. Exactly. Or or emails coming in or whatever. Wow. It's, everyone's out. You can really disconnect. So that's terrific. The second one, although this one is being lost in Spain too, is the afternoon siesta. <laughs> yeah. It is an unbelievably uh, nice thing to do. And, and actually, it's pretty much gone from Spain. To, that's a terrible thing. That is <laughs> pretty should, sad. We should bring it back. I agree. I agree. Uh, do you listen to podcasts? Occasionally, I I listen to um, 
uh, to literature more than oh, podcasts. Okay. Uh, that's so Audio when books. I when I run, I uh, yeah. Oh wow! Um, when I run my instead of music, I listen to yeah. So I, what are you listening to right now? Alice Munro, uh, an Nobel Prize winner from mm. uh, Canada. Yeah, terrific. So what is one thing you do to relax and get your mind off things besides listening to audiobooks? Um, hiking, uh, running when I can. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. We see um, you running a lot around campus too. <laughs> yeah, but even just going for a uh, for walk in the woods. Mm. I mean, this morning I walked from, uh, from, from my house. That's my moment of zen. Right. Although some, uh, when I started doing that, sometimes I would get stopped by a, a very kind colleague or faculty member that would see me on the side of the road saying, Dr. Cabrera, is everything okay? And I'm like, thank you so much. I'm, I'm totally fine. <laughs> this is my moment of zen. Oh my goodness. What has been your favorite memory since coming to Mason? Oh gosh, that is so hard. <laughs> I've had so many. It's been so many um, incredible experiences. Well, first of all, I mean, every time we have a presidential campaign, what's very is yes. great is that to be where we are oh, and absolutely. to have all the candidates come to campus. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to to meet um, um, uh, President Obama, Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. uh, Mitt Romney, who ran uh, against Obama. I've met lots of the of the of the presidential candidates you don't even have to go anywhere they come here to right. see us so it's like that's pretty cool and just like last month we had former secretary of state just rex tillerson comes so that's it's right. incredible that so many people come to mason Although, yes i have to clarify though some people say he got uh, uh, he um, left his job or was asked to leave his job a week after he spoke here and some people are accusing me I have nothing to <laughs> do it's like this is oh not the, the the George Mason nods <laughs> or something no we have nothing to it's do with curse. whatsoever <laughs> exactly the Mason curse can That's we get ridiculous. clarification are you trying to go for secretary of state oh no <laughs> not at all oh my goodness okay last one what motivates you to wake up every morning students uh, without a doubt I mean, that's the, the, the coolest part of, of, of this job, as I mentioned earlier, is is to just get to see students uh, come and grow and go on to, uh, to do great things. And um, I feel privileged to have uh, the job that I have. So you've been Mason's president again for six years. And in that time, we've had multiple developments of change, including welcoming many guests, as we've said before, the opening of Mason Korea, new project developments such as the construction of Peterson Hall, which was almost finished now and the beginning of Robinson Hall. So where would you like to see higher education go in five, 10 years? And after you're done with this presidency, what do you hope to be remembered for? Um, So higher ed is in the middle of pretty interesting uh, transforming trends. So I hope that we will be leading some of those trends. For example, uh, traditional universities have not done a great job of of, um, serving uh, adult learners, people who are maybe mm. five or ten years older than the two of you and, and who may not have been able to finish their education and want to go back. So I hope that George Mason starts serving those people better, uh, perhaps even having more options online than we currently do, although we're doing much, much better. So I think the, the online piece still hasn't been uh, resolved. I hope that we have an even better relationship with our partners at Northern Virginia Community College, and that we make that transfer path. Many thousands of your of your colleagues uh, actually started off at Nova or at right. another community college. How do we make that 
even smoother so that people don't lose credits and mm, don't yes. lose hope, most importantly. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see a lot of that as well. I hope many more of our students will travel abroad. And we're finally mm-hmm. seeing the curve bend up and more of our students do it. But I hope that that, um, that will be the case. We also have to keep uh, growing our infrastructure because we're growing so fast <laughs> in terms of students we serve, right. as you know. And uh, so, so more construction projects. The new Robinson Hall is going to be extraordinary. We, this year, we're also, in addition to Peterson Hall, we're uh, opening a, a, a science center for environmental science on the Potomac. Oh, wow. Um, oh, so right. we're we're adding new facilities, but we're going to have to press the accelerator. Uh, a lot of it will happen, uh, hopefully, in uh, West Campus, mm-hmm. on the other side of, uh, of uh, Chambridge. So um, lots of things going, lots of exciting things going. And honestly, I don't I don't feel like I need to be remembered in any particular way. Just having been part of that journey and having played a, a role in that journey, that's enough uh, sort of reward for me personally to say I was part of that. I was, you know, I was part of... Of, of that university that kept growing and, and, and becoming a better, stronger university. That seems like a great thing to be remembered for. And one last thing before we go, you have one minute to tell us why prospective students should choose Mason and come here. Because this is an awesome university in an awesome location, both things. I mean, in terms of the type of university we are, a university that is big enough to have offerings in academic disciplines across the board, uh, so it doesn't matter what you're interested in. We're likely to have it. Um, a university that is so beautifully and incredibly diverse, where no matter what your background is, you can make it home here. You can belong. You have a sense that, okay, this is my this is my place. Um, a, a, a place that is innovative, that is doing new things, new ways, and that is doing all that right outside of the nation's capital in Northern Virginia, which is one of the most vibrant uh, regions, uh, a, a region full of opportunity and, and, and where you can connect even. You don't even have to, to wait to graduate. You can be reaching out to organizations outside in our vicinity. You don't have to sort of, oh, I'll do an internship this summer. You can connect while you're in school. Uh, that combination of a very unique, diverse, innovative, um, large-scale university in this amazing location. It's pretty neat. I'm glad I chose Mason. How about you, Eric? I am very happy, (laughs) and I hope Mason 2022 is coming up. The deadline is coming up from what I remember, so it'll be a fun choice, but we hope that with interviewing President Cabrera, we've shed a a different light to Mason Mm. and what it could really bring. Thank you, for the, thank you for the plug. That was awesome. Thank you for coming. We appreciate your time. I know you have a really busy schedule. so Thank you so much for joining us. We had a great time talking to you guys today and uh, talking to President Cabrera. Hopefully he joins us again because I thought it was That'd a be great. great time. We are also always looking for guests. So if you want to be a guest on the show, especially yes. uh, those running for office and want to get your name out, shoot us a personal DM. You yep. can slide into my DMs. I'm Alexis at, un, I'm, no. <laughs> I'm at Alexis underscore Witted. That's W-H-I-T-T-E-D. And I'm Eric, E-R-I-K, Trong, T-R-U-O-N-G underscore. We're always looking for great people to talk to. But now we have to end. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you back next week. Love you all. Bye.